Jamie and I with you here on a Tuesday edition of the Green Zone. Hope you're enjoying yourself. I think Ryder fans are enjoying themselves at the start of the CFL negotiating window. A lot of news today, a lot of good news today. Again, yesterday was Jamarcus Hardrick, offensive lineman coming over from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or at least has agreed to terms on a contract. Today, A.J. Ouellette of the Toronto Argonauts agreed to terms on a deal with the Riders. Jameer Thurman, linebacker, last played in Hamilton, but started in Calgary with Corey Mason, Mark Mueller, and company. And Jalen Edwards-Cooper, defensive back, BC Lions, also agreeing to terms with the contract. Some of the other headlines around the CFL, the big two are Winnipeg, Dalton Schoen, and Brady Oliveira re-signing to stay with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on some big-time contracts for those two. Uh, So a lot of movement going on in the early goings here with the CFL negotiating window, and I imagine there will be more news coming. And we'll keep you up to date. You know where to find us right here on the Green Zone to bring you the latest. Earlier on the show, Truth or Trash Tuesday, I was not surprised at all on the responses. Because on Truth or Trash Tuesday, we were discussing the popularity of the NFL. It is Super Bowl week. There will be, I imagine some of you will be going to Super Bowl parties on Sunday. Some of you might be putting some money down on some betting on Sunday. As the National Football League has become the juggernaut. And we are asking, has the NFL become more popular in this province than the Rough Riders? A lot of you were saying truth. And a lot of you were older with younger kids saying truth because you're seeing their demographic. You're seeing their peers, and they're playing fantasy football. They are talking about betting. They're they're wearing jerseys. They're taking trips to Minneapolis, Florida, Vegas to go watch National Football League games. There's probably a a few people who know a kid, 20, 30-something years old. They've gone to more NFL games over the last three, four years, and they have rider games, and they live an hour away or a half an hour or a 20-minute drive from Mosaic Stadium. And I'm not surprised. I see it. I know it. I talk to people in their 20s to 60s who are now bigger NFL fans than CFL fans. Now, for this province, of course, you know what matters. Winning. The team hasn't been doing that in Saskatchewan in the last two years. Now, I am predicting the biggest rated Super Bowl of all time, both in Canada and south of the border. We've seen that trend all season long the growth of the popularity of the National Football League, and we had the highest AFC divisional game ever, the highest-rated championship game ever, all bigger ratings than the Grey Cup. Do you agree? 1-877-332-8255. As this is one of the biggest, well, in North America, the biggest sporting event. Although in a few years from now, Uh, The biggest sporting event in North America, of course, will be the World Cup uh, when it's hosted by Mexico, Canada, and the United States. And we heard about the dates. I'll be interested to see what happens with the Argos and the BC Lions in 2026 with both those centers and both those stadiums being hosting in the summer of the World Cup. And probably to prep the stadium in the field conditions, they might be kicked out of there for two years uh, for the World Cup, and hosting at BC Place in BMO Field. 13 total 
um, games. Actually, some elimination games in Canada, too, uh, with one of the, I think, final 16 games. One of the final 16 will be in Vancouver uh, for the soccer fans. And soccer is becoming a little bit more popular. But coming up next here on the Green Zone, there's been something that's bothering me over the last, especially the last 24 hours, but it's been bothering me for a little bit. And this all comes around the 2018 World Junior Team. And, of course, there's five players who have now been charged with sexual assault. And I see headline after headline after headline after headline after headline that talks about toxic hockey culture. I take issue with that. And I don't take issue with it for that I don't think it exists. I just think focusing on hockey is completely unfair when it comes to toxic hockey culture. We're talking about hockey culture. Uh, whenever a hockey, oh, there's a hockey player again. Here's a hockey player again. So, it, yes, is there an issue? Certainly. But the issue isn't only hockey. Like, if we only have a conversation about toxic hockey culture, we're taking and giving a break to other sports, to other entities. And this isn't only hockey. This isn't a hockey problem. This is an adolescent male problem. That's what it is. It's toxic adolescent male culture that needs to be addressed overall, not just hockey players. There are some really decent, good hockey players. There's a lot of them. But... I've I've been in locker rooms, and I wasn't on a hockey team when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, and I heard all the same garbage that talks about the, the bullying, the harassment, the hazing, the braggadocious nature of the locker room on, you know, who did you have sex with this weekend, guys? And it brings to the standard of, How many people you sleep with is all of a sudden whether you're cool or not. That that is male adolescence is the issue. And so I'm sick of seeing toxic hockey culture. It's like, no, this is adolescent stuff. And it really comes down to this. It all, in my opinion, comes down to this. Leadership. Leadership. Because there are people who endorse it. It's boys being boys. You're probably texting me right now. Oh, no, it's just boys being boys. So what allegedly happened in that hotel room in London is not boys being boys. And it should never be, never be described as boys being boys. But the next time you you talk about hockey culture, I dare, I dare say it's not just hockey. It's football. It's basketball. It's just the high school gym locker room has nothing to do with hockey. This is the Green Zone on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.
I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone on a Tuesday afternoon. Of course, Oilers going for 17 straight wins tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. That is our game of the night. Also a reminder for the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest uh, to get in on it. If you haven't already, to register at cjme.com, cklm.com. We didn't play last week because of the NHL All-Star game, but with 13 games on the NHL calendar on Saturday, of course, it'll be back. We'll announce the contestant on Friday. And oh, by the way, $1,700 is the jackpot. $1,700 if on Saturday in one of those 13 NHL games someone scores in the first 20 seconds, we will give away the jackpot for the first time this year. This is the most money we will have ever given away on the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest over the years. It's astonishing. It hasn't happened yet on a Saturday. Not once this year has someone started the scoring in the first 20 seconds. This is a first. Usually, like especially early in the season, I remember like last year, we think we gave away $500, and then it was like $200. Then it got like $900. And, but $1,700, 17 straight weeks without a goal. So we'll see if we'll give it away. Uh, sign up, cjme.com, cklm.com. It is another busy sporting week in the province. A lot of WHL action actually going on tonight in the WHL. And a reminder, it is the rivalry series in Saskatchewan this week. You have Canada versus the United States. That goes tomorrow, SaskTel Center. And then it is in Regina on a Friday. So get out, watch the best of the best for Canadian and the U.S., women's hockey teams in the rivalry series in Saskatoon and Regina this week. And we'll have you covered on that as well. But it is Super Bowl week. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. It is the San Francisco 49ers. Drew Remenda was spitting facts out of San Jose and the Bay Area. I couldn't believe this. I actually double-checked to make sure Drew wasn't, you know, BSing us on what they're talking about on why the San Francisco 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. And it all is all about the jersey color of the team they play in the NFC Championship game. I did not know how big of an impact this was, but somebody, I don't know who has the time and takes the time to do this, but there's always those quirky stats, those numbers. But, and it is true. Whenever the San Francisco 49ers have defeated a team that has blue on their jerseys in the NFC Championship game, they have won the Super Bowl every single time. And we're talking about the NFC Championship game. When they beat a team that has blue, and it's been the Cowboys and the Lions, well, not yet, it just was the Lions, but it was the Cowboys, the Rams, the Chicago Bears. Those are the teams they have defeated in the NFC Championship game. The Bears have that dark, dark, dark blue. They've gone on to win the Super Bowl. Whenever they don't play a team wearing blue in the NFC Championship game, they don't win the Super Bowl. They beat the Packers. They don't got blue. They didn't win the Super Bowl. 
And then, of course, the Atlanta Falcons. They don't have blue either. Didn't win the Super Bowl. They just beat the Detroit Lions. They have blue. So San Francisco is, you know, they're planning the parade now. Although I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs. Who you got in Super Bowl 58? I'm interested to see how this all breaks down on Sunday. Because the Kansas City Chiefs, that defense has been unreal in the last, well, for the entire season. They have outplayed the offense led by Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But is this the best offense they're up against when it comes to Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, led by Britton Gray's favorite quarterback, Brock Purdy. And I, it's a lot of pressure on this young man. The last pick of the NFL draft, known as Mr. Irrelevant, is in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, who is being already compared to Joe Montana and Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and the legends at the quarterback position. That's your quarterback matchup. Easily in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs. Overall talent on offense goes to the San Francisco 49ers. Defensively, the Chiefs have been way better than the 49ers defense, and that's why I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs, because defense wins championships. I always kind of side to the team who's playing with the best defense, which is why I picked the Montreal Alouettes against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Grey Cup because that defense was playing better than the other one going into the game. So, yeah, I'm picking the Chiefs. Uh, we're going to have a preview with Danon Hughes. He is the he is the color analyst of the Kansas City Chiefs, former Chiefs receiver as well. He's in Vegas to tell us more about the Chiefs' 2023-24 season here on the Green Zone. <laughs> Jamie Nye with you here on the Green Zone. Welcome into a Tuesday Super Bowl week. Still coming up later this week. Uh, the uh, panel is going to do another draft going into Super Bowl week. Of course, I've won every draft so far we've done on the Green Zone. We did Christmas tunes. I dominated. And then we did the best Saskatchewan hockey team. Wasn't even close. Okay, it was a little bit close. A little bit close. Producer Scott gave me a run for my money. But uh, going into Super Bowl, we're going to have a draft, and this is what we're drafting. We're drafting menu items for a Super Bowl party, and you will decide which Super Bowl party you want to attend based on the menu. We're going to do it on the air, so you, you will know if you listen whose party it is. But online, I'm, we're going to keep it, we're going to keep it uh, anonymous. Just in case, you may have your favorite Green Zone uh, contributor as I bat my eyes at you. Um, just in case. Maybe you want to hang out with Drew. I don't know. But just based on the menu items. And we're going to ask Belton Johnson to come on as a guest judge on which party he would go to 
just based solely on the menu for a Super Bowl party. But that's coming up later in the week. But speaking of the Super Bowl, we're going to go to Vegas. Dana Hughes is the analyst on Chiefs Radio as well as a former Kansas City Chief himself way back in the 90s as the Chiefs go to the comfortable confines of Vegas where Dana and they've been very successful. And you know what's crazy about that is that you can make an argument that the Raiders have had probably the most success against us, but they but it's not at home. They've beaten us twice at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, when you consider this reign of the AFC West and how many title runs we've had consecutively, like the Raiders have been the team that kind of has beaten us at home, but they can't win at their home. Uh, Danny Hughes joining us, a radio color analyst of the Kansas City Chiefs, former chief himself in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. I need to ask you, you enter the league, you're drafted in the seventh round, you arrive at Chiefs camp, and you are looking at Joe Montana. And you have Patrick Mahomes this year, and a lot of comparisons being made to the Montanas, the Bradys, the Mannings for this young quarterback. But let's go back to the 90s. What did you learn about excellence in watching Joe Montana? Well, the first thing I learned is don't screw it up because it's going to be your fault no matter what. So I knew, I knew that. I was smart enough to realize that it didn't matter where the ball was thrown. I needed to catch it. If I didn't, it could be 10 feet over my head. It would have been my fault. So uh, I took that seriously, recognized greatness on the field, and just their demeanor and how, they, how, how each of these guys handle other players. And when I say other players, you know you got the other stars like Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, you know, getting himself up to that top shelf level, Chris Jones on the defense. But what about the other guys, the role players? How how are they interacting with them? And I was fortunate enough that Joe was a cool dude. He was just a cool dude. Uh, and he didn't carry himself like he was better than anybody else, didn't take himself too seriously, never screamed at guys if we did something wrong or if we weren't where we were supposed to be. It was just kind of a he led by example, and that's what I see from Patrick. Yeah, you see some fiery, uh, you know, some fiery barbs from Patrick during the season, and some frustrating situations during the game. But for the most part, like when I watch him on the plane, when I see him interact with the players, when I'm walking through the locker room post game interviews after losses and after wins, he's the same dude, and I think that's why guys gravitate to him, and that's why. That's one aspect that makes him so great. Now, when you when you talk about volatility, I think we saw a little bit more of it from Patrick Mahomes this season than ever before on the sideline. But I think this is the development of the Chiefs this season. It's it's a different way to the Super Bowl than years past. Uh, how did they overcome, come together, galvanize, and be able to pick off the teams one by one on their road to Super Bowl Fifty Eight? You know what's interesting? Yeah, you're right. This year has definitely been different. I was looking at some clips from 2018, 2019, and seeing how Patrick Mahomes, like we were averaging over 30 points a game. The defense was struggling to keep teams uh, below 30 points, and we were winning games and shootouts. And now you see, to me, this year it shows more of a maturation process for Patrick Mahomes because if you start your career – like that, it's really, it can be real humbling to be able to move backwards and then become more of a game manager, still learn how to win the games, but not the same way. And uh, to his credit, to me, what he's done this year, I don't know if it surpasses 
a couple of one or two of the uh, MVPs he's had, but I feel like it's been impressive in a different way because everything hasn't gone right. He doesn't have Tyreek Hill taking a five-yard pass and, and running 60 yards, making six and seven guys miss down the field. He doesn't have that luxury. It's been methodical. Uh, it's been calculated, moving the ball down the field. And at times, even he's talked about, there's been times where he's learned, I just got to live to punt. Like we Punting is okay. Kicking a field goal is okay. Harrison Butker... I believe he missed two field goals this entire season, has not missed an extra point. Like, it's okay. And I think Patrick, in his early years, and it's crazy to say early years, he's only been a starter for six, but in his early years, he probably wouldn't have liked to just settle for the field goals or settle for a field position and punts. But maturing uh, the way he has has shown really uh, to be to, – to be beneficial for this Chiefs organization and get us where we're at. And, and we hit our stride late in the season. Like, uh, we're used to seeing Patrick Mahomes hit the ground running in the opening week or the first quarter of the season, and it took us until the last quarter of the season to secure, not only to secure a playoff spot, but actually get our offense going in the right direction. Analyst uh, on the radio for the Kansas City Chiefs, former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Dan and Hughes, joining us from Las Vegas at a Super Bowl 58 being a receiver, was it difficult watching those early struggles uh, from the receiving core this group this year in in Kansas City? Yeah, absolutely, and and part of it is because I was a former wide receiver, and I know you don't get to this level without being able to catch the ball. Like these guys are extremely talented, probably more talented than I was as a player, and yet. Catching the ball is the most fundamental part of the of the position, and the fact that we weren't able to do so added a lot of frustration. And for me, watching it from the from the uh, booth and calling the games and recognizing, you can make an argument that this Chiefs team, there were four individual plays, four individual pass plays that w- really equated to four losses. Like that's really what it came down to. And even though we're we live in an age where we say. Uh, there's no one play that makes a game. Well, actually, there were. <laughs> like, there were specifically four plays that took away games that we should have won and forced us into a loss and, and uh, allowed us to get the three seed instead of a one seed where we would have hosted a six straight AFC championship. Like, we, we definitely took the hard road to get where we're at, and it was frustrating to watch because I know those guys have the capabilities. I mean, when you talk about Kadarius Tony, he's a former first round pick. You don't become a first round pick by not being able to catch the ball. You know, Sky Moore, second-round pick. You don't get to that point without being able to catch the ball. And you can go throughout the Richie Jameses and everybody else. Uh, Rasheed Rice had some issues early in the season, really came on strong as one of the better uh, receivers in the game in the last half of the season. But early part of the season, he's a second-round pick. He was dropping the ball. Uh, that was just unacceptable, but I'm so glad that they got it turned around. When so many people were were giving up on them, uh, thought it was going to be a down year, didn't think we would be in this position, I give credit to the coaching staff and those players for rallying. Dana Hughes joining us, Kansas City Chiefs analyst in Las Vegas. Um, the Andy Reid effect, uh, how calming of an influence is one of the greatest coaches of all time for the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, to me, it's one of the great stories of this season. It's one of the great stories of his tenure uh, over a decade here in Kansas City, and it's 
it's not like we we went through the years of Todd Haley and Scott Pioli and all the craziness that was going on on the field and behind the scenes with them, the volatility, uh, the 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 unsuredness of you know, unsured footing, I guess you can say, when you walk in the building, you didn't know what you were going to face each day, and the consistency of Andy Reid. Now, he's got that fatherly slash grandfatherly kind of way about him, but I, I believe as a player, the players recognize that he, he, he cares about them. He cares about their well-being. He cares about them as human beings. And then he's going to put them in a position to be successful on the field. And I think that those are great attributes for coaches. You can look back at the Tony Dungy's, the Bill Cowers. Um, you know, the list goes on and on about coaches that just they, they exude that kind of aura to the players where I walk in the office, I walk in the meetings, I walk on a practice field, and I know that this dude cares about me cares about me as a man, and I know that he's preparing game plans for me to be successful and for our organization to be successful. And who else wouldn't you, would you want to play for than a person like that? Dana, when you look at this, this team in this Super Bowl, I'm just curious. You're, you're there. You've been, you've been to Super Bowls. How does Vegas compare as a host city? Like the Super Bowl is a gong show in itself. It moves wherever, yeah. and it's a, a huge deal. What is a Super Bowl in Vegas actually like? So I've always been partial to Arizona. I just like Scottsdale area. I think it's really cool. It's kind of condensed, but a little bit spread out where it doesn't get too crazy. Uh, but Vegas, everything is right here. I mean, you can literally walk outside the Mandalay Bay, cross a bridge, and you're in Allegiant Stadium. Uh, it's convenient. Now, it's the beginning of the week, so we don't know how, how wild it's going to be by the end of the week. they got fight night here on Thursday and other stuff going on, obviously all the concerts. Like, Vegas just happened to have the Super Bowl. It, it was crazy if the Super Bowl wasn't here. But uh, it's, it's, the weather has been bad. It's been terrible here. Rain, who would have thought rain would be in the desert during the Super Bowl week? Uh, relatively chilly. I wouldn't say cold coming from the Midwest, but it is chilly. Uh, so hopefully it'll clear up by the end of the week. There's a lot of great events here, former players, NFL alumni stuff, NFL PA stuff, and then the normal Vegas uh, gauntlet that you have. So it, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, as much as I hate the Raiders, being that I was a Chiefs player for six years, I have to give them credit. They do have the nicest stadium in the NFL and the most convenient in regards to getting in and out of. So it should be a fun week. Now that is Danon Hughes, a former receiver of the Kansas City Chiefs in the mid-90s, and now their radio color analyst as the Chiefs and the 49ers Sunday in Super Bowl 58. We'll have plenty of more guests from Vegas throughout the week here on the Green Zone. Champs and Chumps next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. You two are winners, big winners. I think you're shagadelic, baby. You're switched on. You're smashing. You tried your best. And you failed miserably. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. You're an idiot. Uh, you're a bad person. Each and every day, uh, one champ and one chump. Uh, the chump is, I'm going to chump the hockey news for this headline. Didn't like it. Uh, it's actually Steve McFarland's tweet. The headline itself was Calgary Flames to get cap relief following formal sexual assault charge against Dylan Dubay. Uh, but Steve McFarlane of the cap, cap relief is about the only relief on the Dylan Dubé situation. 
Like, uh, no, try again. Just, no, that's not. You can talk about like, Calgary Flames to get cap relief following formal sexual assault. Okay, then right, but don't get cute with your with your wording around a sexual assault charge with Dylan Dubé. Thank you very much. The champ is Tyler Bertuzzi of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Have you, did you notice a change uh, to uh, Tyler Bertuzzi in that game yesterday? I definitely did. <laughs> He's got a lot less hair uh, than he did going into the all-star break. And it's all for a good cause. Uh, he got the locks cut. He donates his hair. He does this a lot. He donates his hair uh, to, to make wigs for kids with cancer and for thinking of the kids as always Tyler Bertuzzi has been doing this it's just a simple but also great way uh, to support uh, making the wigs for the kids with cancer Tyler Bertuzzi Toronto Maple Leafs the champ